Welcome back to The Scruggs Show. I am your host, attorney Natasha Scruggs, and today we have a pretty interesting show. We have a guest, Carrington Harrison. You guys might know him as CDOT. He's on 610 Sports every day, and we brought him in here after work. So how you doing, Carrington? Only time I talk to a lawyer, it's about child support. So this is actually a this is this is a new oh my this, God. Is, this is a new thing for me. <laughs> this is new, but no, I'm happy to come on the show. Uh, I want to tell your audience this story. So I don't I've even told you the story. So I know Natasha, we went to college together. So me Missouri Southern. So me and like three of my friends. For somehow the Denny's burned down. <laughs> so they were building the new Denny's. And the first 100 people in line, they got a year's supply. Listen, they got a year's supply of oh my Grand God. Slams. <laughs> I'm serious. A year's supply of Grand Slams. So me and my friends, we the same. If they gave it away free stuff, we in line for it. So how they did was they gave you a box of 52 coupons. You can use them whenever you want for a Grand Slam. So Tasha and I started becoming closer and closer friends. So I was like, hey, you should come with us to get a Grand Slam. So we come to Denny's. She eats the Grand Slam the first time. The second time, she's like, I don't want one. I want something else. Well, I'm giving you what's free on the menu. You can get whatever you want on the menu. I'm just not paying for it. So we got in this fight at Denny's because I wouldn't pay for a meal. And that was kind of the end of that situation. I never took it to Denny's again. So that's my favorite Can't Natasha Scruggs story. He exaggerated. I just wanted to tell you guys the story. I don't know what you want to talk about. I'm happy to talk about whatever. <laughs> but before we move on, I want to tell people my favorite Natasha Scruggs story. Well, first of all, that story was exaggerated. <laughs> Second not. of all, I was 18. But it was more than two times. I think I did the, the Grand Slam like at least twice. And... I didn't want the Grand Slam again. Okay, well, I just know a lot of people who went to college, they can identify. I wasn't in the business of turning down free food, and the free Grand Slam was such an improvement over what they were serving at the school cafeteria. <laughs> I wasn't going to be a beggar and chooser. And the Grand Slam, it's not like it's some specialty meal. It's pancakes. But it's I bacon, didn't tell it's you. It's eggs. It's toast. Like, who doesn't like those things but for this breakfast? Is the thing. You wanted a Denver omelet with <laughs> cheese and mushrooms <laughs> and all this that. stuff in. I'm like, bro, I'm not paying for that. Now, today, I might pay for that. But you paid then, for it then. Nah, bro. You paid Yo, for it. And cap, that's why you That's why you didn't take me back because you were mad. I'm going to say it in both cameras. Cap. That's cap. <laughs> oh, my God. That's what it is. It's cap. You definitely Ooh. paid for it. Definitely. Cap. Okay. Okay. Captain Crunch. He, I don't know he nothing wanna about flex it. tonight. He wanna flex. <laughs> I don't That's know all right. about it. Okay. Cool. I know. I ate that Grand Slam at least twice. <laughs> <laughs> and you did pay for it. You were mad, but you paid for it. Cap. I, knew, I don't know nothing about it. I don't it. even bring my wallet when I go places, so I know you paid for it. But <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, she might have finessed me back in the day. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. It might not be cap. It might not be. Yeah, but that was 2009, so we went to Missouri Southern, and yeah, then um, let's talk about you, because you left Missouri Southern. It was my sophomore year. Yo, senior year, did you leave? Okay. Yeah, I had uh, 21 credit hours left. School just, I never really liked school that much, but it just wasn't for me anymore. I felt, I mean, I felt like I knew pretty early on what I wanted to do, but as I was in college, I started to feel like it was much more obtainable, and I just didn't want to be any further along from what I wanted to do. So I dropped out of school and I started working at 610 Sports. I was a producer for Nick Wright. Some of you may know who he is. <laughs> and I kind of worked my way up from there. So, well, hold on. You said you knew what you wanted to do. What made you feel like I'm ready to go to the next level? Like, what made you even I mean, try I wouldn't say that, that I was ready to go to the next level. Um, but um, so this was 2009. And it was the year of conference realignment. So this is when Missouri was about to change leagues and Nebraska. And it was crazy. Sports fans know what I'm talking about. And so this was my second year interning at 610. And the program director there was like, if you want a job, you got to show your value to the company, whatever. So um, I just made it a point that I really wanted to make sure that our show handled conference realignment better than everybody else. And I think what actually ended up getting me a job at 610 was, so Nebraska officially announced that they were going to the Big Ten. And, and Dominican Sue, he was playing for the Miami Dolphins, I think. Oh, the Lions. He's playing for the Lions. We played for first. And I, like, went on his website 
and they had like a contact page. So I came up with this big spiel on why he should come on the show. And then... So you just typed it in? Yeah, I just typed <laughs> and I just was like, hey, you know, he should come on the show to talk about this. And then his sister actually ran the website. So she called me on the phone and we talked for like 15 minutes. And she was like, I like you. You're funny. You know what? I'll tell him to do it. <laughs> and then like three days later, Dominican Sue, he was the number two overall pick in the draft. He came on the show and it was a good interview. And I think the next day... Uh, Ryan McGuire, he was a program director. He called me into the office and told me that whenever I was done with school that I had a job. So Okay, so is this when you basically said, I'm leaving school? Like, if he offered me a job, I mean, I was I'm gonna not going to I was going to drop out probably in October. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. I remember I came home, and I came home, it was like a Tuesday. And I used to work, so you remember, they used to do that coaches show on Thursday. Mm -hmm. And I used to be the board op for that. And then I used to board op every Missouri Southern football game. Didn't you and, board out some of our games, yeah, too? Yeah, I played too. basketball at Missouri Southern. Yeah, I didn't go to a basketball game my sophomore year on. Um, I, I think I only seen you play, like, one time. Right. Um, so I was I went back home on a Tuesday, and I told myself, like, if I don't go back on Thursday, because that's when I have to be back, then I'm just not going back to school. And I remember I talked to Nick and told him, and he told me to at least finish the semester. So I finished the semester – and then, yeah, I packed all my stuff, and I went to work at 610 that next Monday. And then I, I've been working there ever since. That's the only job I've ever had. So my 10 years actually coming up in December. Oh, that's uh, dope. Working there. So, yeah, 2010 was when I started. So. so you just pretty much got your way in. Like, you, you started off with the internship, and you used your own knowledge. It wasn't like somebody was telling you, like, do this, do this, do that. It was your ideas to figure out kind of how to get in. Yeah. Um. I mean, I would say early on— with Nick, like, I always tell people this, like, Nick was, like, the best person to learn from and the worst person. Like, Nick's not a show-you-how-to-do-something kind of person. But if you sit there and watch, you'll kind of learn through osmosis, and that's how you'll pick some stuff up. So I think I just found where I could be useful, and then I just tried to exploit that. Like I said with the conference realignment stuff, I just figured out I could, I could get people on the show pretty quickly. Like, I figured out that was my value where... I mean, you've had some pretty iconic interviews, so you, you still do that. <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, I, just, I, thought I, I thought I figured it out. And so it was, you know, that was... It was so many different reports that would be coming, you know, left wide, like, you know, so I, I figured out how to get people on the show in a pretty prompt manner. So it was like, hey, breaking news, this guy in Nebraska is saying that they're thinking about going to the Pac-12. Like, that person will be on the show in the next 20 minutes. So... I think that was, like, really key, just oh, showing that okay. the show was always kind of flexible. And that's one thing I've tried to keep where I think the value in local radio is that it's always changing. Like, I love podcasts. I listen to a podcast on the way here. Podcasts are kind of frozen in time where the local show, you know, tomorrow if the Chiefs decide that they want to give Patrick Mahomes, they're like, hey, that $500 million we gave you isn't enough. We're going to rip it up and give you a billion dollars. Like, you can instantly react to it, instantly take oh, yeah. phone calls, instantly talk to people. Definitely. So I think that's what's always going to make it relevant. That's always the part that's, like, really excited me the most, you know. Um, I've always told myself, you know, like, when I don't get excited for those moments, it's time for me to do something else. Oh, like, yeah. I, I still get you know, the same excitement that I had when I first started. So. Oh, that's cool. Like, the passion is is dope. One thing I want to I wanna point out is that even though you left school, because I know a lot of people say, like, yeah, you don't need school, but you did go back and you finished your degree and yeah, you got I mean, it. I don't really feel like I needed to go back. Um, I knew it was really important to my mom for me to go back, and I felt uh, maybe it was like a person I just felt this way, but I felt like I had done a lot of cool stuff. But to her, it wasn't going to count unless I had a degree, since mm -hmm. that was something that I set out to do in the very beginning. Um, so, yeah, that was it. And That was nice, though. I know, like, I'm kind of your—women, we kind of think like that. Like, once you started it, <laughs> we want you to finish it and get your degree. And you were so close. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I mean, we talked about it since my mom and I, and I don't really know why I felt that way at the time, but— I don't know. It always would be like I would do something really cool, <laughs> and she would be like— well, when are you going back to school? <laughs> and then she stopped asking me for a while because she realized that I wasn't going back to school. So I've only seen my mom get super excited three times in my life, like as an adult. Um, the first time was it was two it was 2014 when the Royals were going to the World Series, and I got her tickets for World Series Game One. She was 
through the roof. Like, I, I handed her this envelope. She's like, what is it? I was like, just open it. She opened it up. It was two tickets to go to the World Series, the first game. So she was like, ah! She was all excited. Uh, the second time was when I gave her my – I told her I was going back to school when I gave her the diploma. That and was then, crazy. And then the third time was to go see Hamilton. Actually, oh, she was happy about yeah, that. she was really happy. <laughs> so when Hamilton came, she tried to get the tickets online, and then it was sold out. And she was like, "Oh, she was like, I can't go. Can you help me?" And I'm like, "All right, I'll help you." But I already had four tickets. I already have four. I had two for me, and I was gonna give her two. So I gave it to her on Mother's Day, and she was really happy. So um, yeah, that was the biggest reason why I went to school. Um, I think that's a legacy, like. You being a, a alumni of Missouri Southern, like you went there, you work, you did similar work there. So it's kind of like I feel like it's just setting the stage for wh- whatever you're gonna do next, and like whatever your story and your legacy is gonna be at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, some of it, I would say that was probably the biggest part. Um, that was like seventy five percent of it. The other twenty five percent was kind of selfish, where <laughs> I want to get so big at whatever I do that they named something after me <laughs> at Missouri Southern. And I don't feel like they were ever going to name something after me unless I was a graduate of oh, Missouri yeah. Southern. Like, they definitely don't claim me because I left after two years and went to Jackson like, State. They started treating me a lot different once I graduated from school. <laughs> yeah. like, I was in one of their little alumni magazines, and I got honored at a basketball game and stuff. <laughs> like it, it, definitely, it definitely changed once I graduated. So I was like, finally, like, I felt like I had done a lot, you know, yeah. from such a small school. I and I like, like that school. Been. You know, people talk stuff about it. Um, I definitely, when I was there, I was definitely talking about it. But, you know, it was cool for what it was. It was two years. I got to play under my brother. I got to see all my brother's games for free. I liked Missouri Southern. Yo, let me tell this story really quick. I'm going to tell you the story. You'll find this funny. <laughs> so one day, Tasha was over, and we were, she was like, oh, my brother's, oh my God. My brother's highlight tape <laughs> is on YouTube. So I was like, all right, cool. Let's watch it. So this is like... Like a 2008 high school tape. No, this like 06. Okay, give me, my give, give my so, mama some credit. Okay, so this is 2006. <laughs> this is regular VHS. This isn't like a ball of life tape. This is a regular 2006 <laughs> tape. Bro, I kid you not. It's her brother doing post moves and layups. Like, who wants to watch this? First of all, he's doing regular post moves. It's like one dribble layup. And I'm like, what? This is the worst highlight tape. I, she's like, don't turn it. I'm like, bro, First of I, this all, is, I don't want to watch this anymore. This was made by my mother. She doesn't really watch basketball like that. He's so like when- taking charges in his highlight tape. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom's like watching the video. She's editing the video to her what she likes, and she and that's what she wanted to do. But guess what? My brother had a full scholarship to play basketball at multiple schools. I mean, he could hoop. I'm not saying I'm he saying, could. I, but I that tape, it. we sent that tape off. So you're just—it's not just he could hoop. My mom's tape well, with the post moves. He's also six seven and super athletic too. Like he's yeah, on he there. can dunk over everybody. It's like showing the hustles down the court. Like it's. <laughs> The I think it, worst I think it did show it's, something bad. That's what I'm saying. Did it show him like missing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one he like misses a layup, and I'm like, why is this in oh the tape? Oh my god! Still on, I'll send it you after we get done oh with this. I'll show goodness. you the tape. Y'all can look it up, Chris Scruggs. <laughs> it's the worst. Chris it's, I'm like telling tape. you, you've never seen a worse. <laughs> it's like one dribble layup. Like this is. <laughs> oh my god! I That's can't wait happened. to show Chris this. Chris was on the podcast. He's on the second episode. Uh, he just graduated from law school and got his law degree. So me and him, we all, all three of us, we went to Missouri Southern, and it was it was lit back then. Okay, you so know, college. I just want to say this really quick thing about college. Like college was, I mean, I would say maybe the second best time of my life. The best time was 2014, 2015, like when the Royals were good. Like if you lived here, you just know what I'm talking about. It was just a really good time to live here. But, but didn't your show blow up during yeah, that time? Yeah, it was just it was just <laughs> it was just a really good time in my life. Uh, College was amazing. It was funny because I was having this conversation with my sister. So she just graduated high school and she just started her freshman year at Missouri State. And I told her not to go to school for this semester to take a semester off. Because of the pandemic? Yeah, just the experiences that you had, that I had, that I imagine a lot of people listening to had. You're just not going to have it. And if you're going to spend all the same money and get 20% of the experiences that we had, like I just didn't think it was very smart. But 
you know, we were all were 18 at one point and wanted to get out of the house and wanted to see the world for yourself. So I told my sister the same thing, but some of the kids, like the kids at Mizzou, a lot of them went back home because it was like break, you know, breakouts of COVID. So you're right. I think it is smart to maybe take a break. But like you said, kids are going to do what they want to do. I know when I was 18, nobody could tell me nothing. So if you were trying that's, to tell me that as my big brother. That's the same today as 28. Nobody could tell you anything. <laughs> that's not so. true. I don't even know. I feel like you're ordering them Denver omelets. Oh, my God. That was so, 18. You bringing still up 18 ordering, stuff. So ordering them Denver omelets. Whatever. So. Okay. So you said that you were working it, but weren't you doing it in high school too? Like what? I, I'm trying to go all the way to the back to the beginning of like what made you want to do this? Like what made you oh, want to get um, into it? Funny enough, I actually listened to Kevin Keatsman a lot, and we ended up going against his show when he was on 810. And I used to listen to 103. So I don't know what rap station you guys have in St. Louis, but it's like the urban hip-hop R&B station or whatever. Ours is 104.1. It's probably terrible. But that's the only <laughs> that's the only St. station Louis. I listened to as a kid. And I remember my mom started dating who became my stepdad. And he picked me up from school one day. And we got in the car. And there was this man on the radio talking about the Chiefs. And I had never heard anything like – I didn't know this existed, you know. Um, it's kind of like that. I don't know if you watched The Wire or not. Do you remember that one scene where Bodie tries to turn to a certain radio station and it doesn't work? And the guy's like, this station doesn't work out here. He's like, I thought everywhere had the same radio station. It was kind of like that moment for me as a kid. Um. And once I realized that people talked about sports on the radio and they got paid to do it, I, that's all I wanted to do. Like I couldn't think of anything else that I wanted to do. So, yeah, that's kind of the story. So fast forward, I'll give you the super short version of it. Um so I was a junior in college, and it's kind of when you got to figure out what you want to do with your life. So I sent an email to 610 and 810 who I was, kind of what experiences I had in college, and I wanted to intern for the summer. So I never heard back from 810. And then 610, I got a phone call. It was like 4.15 in the afternoon, and I didn't know what it was. I didn't have the number saved. So I wake up in the middle of my nap. I'll never forget I was watching Around the Horn, and it was the program director at 610. So I like, you know, you try to wake up as quick as you can. And um, he basically gave me like an on-the-phone interview and told me he'd get back to me. And then two weeks later, he sent me an email and said I had the internship. So that's awesome. when I met Nick Wright for the first time. And um, so, yeah, fast the forward to that. The fact that you met Nick Wright for the first time right then, that was a lot in one little stretch. Yeah, no, I remember <laughs> I, went, uh, I went to TJ Maxx and I had to buy a nice shirt. <laughs> So, <laughs> you remember those little, like, Ralph Lauren polos? Oh, you remember you, with the little horse? I bought one of those. Okay. Yeah, I was looking fresh was on my ready. first day. Yeah, I was fresh <laughs> on my first day. Okay, look, so, you came in ready for business. <laughs> so, yeah, and then I started doing a podcast, and, you know, I just started moving up from there. That's what's up. Okay, so what you? know, you everybody knows what I'm talking about. You could go to TJ Maxx or Steinmart <laughs> or Marshalls. And get that My little, brother had a lot of those. He wore those on He the, definitely had the big horse polos. Chris had the big horse. I know he did. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I know him. But when you had to dress up for, you know, the banquets and stuff. But other than that, T-shirts, hoodies, you know, stuff like that. But what do you think are, like, the biggest changes in sports uh, that you've seen, like, over the pandemic as far as racial? So let's let's switch on to, like, current topics. What do you think is, like, something that – this wouldn't happen last year or even two years ago, but it's happening right now. Uh, I think it's kind of twofold. It kind of depends on if you're talking about with players or leagues. Um, I think maybe mostly two- the leagues. Yeah, I think I think the answer in this is twofold. I think in the very beginning, I think the worst thing that you could have happen as an individual or a company was Donald Trump tweet about you, like the power of his Twitter account was really strong. And I think that the NFL, the first time all of this stuff happened, their biggest thing is we don't want to be called out by Donald Trump. And I felt like they made a lot of actions that was kind of based in that. So are you talking about back when Colin Kaepernick started? Yeah, I mean, I think that's when all of this starts. Like, I kind of think with Kaepernick, I don't think you're telling the full story if you don't acknowledge that I do think Colin Kaepernick's presence and his message if you don't think that the effects of that is seen today in the protest and some of the actions that you see around the country, yeah. that I think I think America is typically slow on these kind of issues. And I think if you look through the history of it, America has been strongly against every movement of black people in this country. Like, we can tell the story now. America did not love Martin Luther King. They did not oh, yeah. love the civil rights movement. They loved it once we saw that that was the right side and that was the winning side, so to speak. Not during. But they were not big fans of it during that I think 
Kaepernick saying that message was kind of the, wow, we relate to the party. This was a lot of the stuff that he was saying and a lot of the actions and all that stuff. So I would say that's the biggest things. And now I think it used to be, it wasn't cool to say Black Lives Matter four months ago, maybe five months ago. It's now a cool thing to say, which we can debate whether that's a good or a bad thing and if it's become commercialized and all that kind of stuff, but it wasn't cool to say. So I do think that we've seen progress in that way where now it's accepted where I guess one of my critiques of everything that's going on is I think now it's turned into more demonstrations than protests. Like a protest has to have a penalty by it. It has to come at a cost, you know? Where now it just doesn't have a cost. Like yeah. now it's become the ice bucket challenge. Like it's become a trendy thing to do without you really having any meaning behind it. So I think there's yeah. good and bad Nobody's things. Nobody's taking a loss with for it. it. Nobody's sacrificing for it as far as corporate corporate goes. Yeah, not at all. And I would say too, when it comes to leagues, another thing that's been really frustrating is the one thing that those leagues have is money. So giving money, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like if you give three hundred million dollars or something, if you're the NBA that's a tremendous thing. Like $300 million can do a lot of good. Mm-hmm. Steve Ballmer, who owns the Clippers, is the 11th richest person in the world. Like, not in America. There are only 10 people in the world who have amassed more wealth Damn than man. Steve Ballmer, who owns the Clippers. So, given $300 million is good, like, influence, power. Think about when Meek Mill was in prison. Meek Mill didn't really start getting out until white people started helping. Like, Jay-Z was doing all this stuff. Beyonce mm-hmm. was doing all this stuff. You Nikki know when he was got doing out? This stuff. You know when he got Even out? Even she don't get credit. The owner of the Sixers, Michael uh, Rubin, and yeah. the owner of the Patriots, Robert Kraft. Yeah. Two very influential white people started Helped helping. And, like, one thing I think, I think people are starting to see more. If you, like, really go back and read Dr. King, that he was really big on... The big reason on why they wanted the the uh, civil rights movement to be on TV because he realized if white people saw and empathized with it, that was going to help their movement. That I do think what we're seeing is white people and white America, I think, is really changing in that. Now, are they yeah. going to concede some of the power? Let's see when it comes to that. But I do think maybe what's changed over the last six months is I think black America was always saying this. I think now you're starting to get white people to say it, which they weren't doing four years ago. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know why. And I talked about this with my brother. Something happened with, with George Floyd that changed people's minds that weren't ever changed before. Like nobody cared about Tamir Rice. Nobody cared about Mike Brown. Nobody cared about all of these other people. But for some reason, seeing that for that long it really just struck a different nerve yeah, in people. Yeah, v- video changes it. Um, I listened to this uh, podcast with Carl Douglas. He was on the defense for Johnny Cochran whenever it was the OJ trial, and I thought he explained it in a way better than I can explain it, where George Floyd narrated his own death, where we can debate what happened in some of these scenarios because we don't have the video of it. Like, in the George Floyd video, it's very apparent. Like, the man is laying there on the ground. He has his knee to his neck. It's eight minutes. He's talking throughout of it, and the man dies in that scenario. Yeah, he's talking about his mama. He's saying, I can't breathe. Like you're saying, he's yeah, talking that, through that it. I think that <clears throat> I think that's what changed it, and you know, I, I've had different thoughts on this whole thing. You know, like some of us want to say, man, we were telling you this stuff four years ago. We were telling you five years ago, hey, this is going on. Look at this scenario. Like, I don't really look at the George Floyd situation too much different than the Eric Gardner situation. Oh, yeah. It's, it's the same thing. It's almost identical in a lot of ways that what changed with this message that made it resonate more and created this that didn't with the Eric Gardner. Like, he's also saying, I can't breathe. They have him in this chokehold. Like, it's very clear that something very serious is going to happen based on this. And if you remember the police report, they didn't even put in there that he was choked. Oh, yeah. That it was just a lot of stuff. But um, I don't, I try not to focus as much on the, why we got to this point and the how, but now that we're here and I feel like people are listening, what are we going to do with it? Like back in the civil rights movement, there was a law like in 1964, they had the, uh, the uh, civil rights act. Like there was a major piece of legislation that happened Mm -hmm. and that's sort of like the win for the civil rights movement. See, I think the difference now is that we, we, since things are so messed up, one law is not going to be able to do it. It's going to be like multiple laws on multiple states and multiple counties. Like everything is so up in the air right now that I feel like one remedy is not going to do it. This is going to be like a stretch. Like after Mike Brown was killed, it was like a year stretch of like protests and like activism and people trying to change laws. I think this time is going to be even longer. Yeah, I, I remember the last time that I remember like crying 
was when I read the Mike Brown grand jury testimony. And I would advise everybody to go back and read it because I know at this point everybody sort of has their own opinions about what happened with Mike Brown. I just don't know how you can read that and read it like it's fan fiction. Like if you go back and like really read it, it just defies logic to me. So you want me to think that Mike Brown in this scenario knows he doesn't have a gun. Right. He supposedly beats up this police officer, even though he's seen the picture. Doesn't look like a person who got beat up to me. He has no scratches. Nothing. Runs away from the person with the gun. Like, read the grand jury. He runs away with the person with the gun. What person, not even in movies, does that person turn around and charge at the person who they know has a gun? Like, it just doesn't make, I don't know how anybody could read that and think, oh, that's what happened. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. That's um, why they think that they they think that the grand jury had to be something wasn't right with that because they believe that they believe that this is what happened. And some people, even people that I went to school with, like people who I thought <clears throat> would have understood this, some of my white friends, they they believe that, too. They're like, yeah, it was proven that this happened. I'm like, no, it wasn't like people get real. um real semantic like or real I'll say Clinton like with the words and they'll change the words and say well it was proven this no somebody somebody said that this happened but it's no it's no video it's nobody else it's like one person that said that he ran back to him yeah one thing um because I think one I guess one message I do want to make clear in this is while I'm happy what the NFL and the NBA are doing is I do feel like a lot of these companies are just trying to check a PR box. Like, hey, let's show we down with the black people because that's the cool thing to do. Where, like the NFL, for example, they have in racism on one field. They have it takes all of us in another field. The NFL has a rule in place that you cannot hire a coach without hiring or at least interviewing a minority. Oh, yeah. How did you get to that point? Like, how did you get to the point where you thought the issue was so bad that you had to tell these teams you have to interview a minority candidate? Is that racism? Is that the same thing you have on the field that you're telling me you're trying to end where I'm all for I'm all for the outward, like the the sign that you believe black lives matter. But at some point, there has to be an action. And I'm always big on like, how does things end? Like. The coronavirus. Like, how does this just end? Like, I don't think we all just one day wake up and just go back to our normal lives. Like, no. some major thing happens. Like, one day they get on the news and whoever the president is says, hey, we have a vaccine that's going to be widely spread. But I do think, like, how is this time in our country going to end? Like, the civil rights movement ended at some point. Do you feel like it's an issue between cause and effect? Because when you talk about the Rooney Rule, which is... They're trying to add. They well, they were supposed to be adding something, and then they said they were going to table it. Um, do you feel like they only look at like the end of it and say, okay, we need more black coaches? But they're not looking at why we need more black yeah, coaches and why yeah, we I don't think, have black coaches right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like most companies. I think most companies say they want diversity until they realize that diversity means hiring black people. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's that. Like it sounds. It sounds really good to say. Hey, we got to have a more diverse. Work situation. Well, all right. That means you actively going out there and hiring women, hiring (laughs) black people, hiring gay people. Like, you know what I mean? That's diversity that I think that's just is a thing that sounds good. But I do want to make this point really quick about like how it ends. Mm -hmm. I think and maybe this is like a wrong thing, but it's just what I think. I think there needs to be like a federal a federal board that reviews police shootings like when George Floyd happens or Breonna Taylor or whatever, when there is an incident of police brutality. It shouldn't be investigated by the police department. It should be an independent group that that's all they do. And then there's a spokesperson that, hey, why have you not charged Breonna Taylor? We ask this individual who is put in charge, and that is his responsibility or her responsibility or this board's responsibility, and then we get the official word of it. Like That's how I think some of this ends. Like To me, it goes beyond just the... Let's arrest the people that killed Breonna Taylor. It has to be, what do we do to either A, avoid another Breonna Taylor situation, or I think the the biggest problem is black people don't trust the system. We believe, I can't speak for everybody, I believe that black America believes that police officers can kill unarmed black people with Immunity. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be allowed I mean, to do that. I mean, it's just factual, though. Like, that's happened. When it comes to the federal prosecutors or the people who, like, that kind of have been done before and they haven't 
they haven't executed it. Like it's a good idea in 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 you know theory, but like we had Eric, what's his name? I forgot his name. The old attorney general Eric something. I, I don't know why I can't remember. But when Obama was in office, he was his attorney general, and he was supposed to go and he reviewed Mike Brown and he reviewed and he did the same Eric thing. Eric Holder. Eric Holder. Yeah. So that that's the problem. Like. Some people like me, I'm a I'm an abolitionist, so the whole system in my in my view wouldn't even exist like this. It would be a totally different process. But within the system that we have now, I don't know why, but for some reason when prosecutors look at police shootings, they never see that it's a crime or they rarely see that it's a crime. Where I you know, I represent people and they will charge people for nothing. Like they will charge people for with absolutely no evidence. So even with the Breonna Taylor stuff, like today, Breonna Taylor um, family just got a $12 million settlement, but the officers are still on the force. They're still getting paid and there's no charges. I think we know they're not going to get charged that the $12 million <laughs> today was, yo, we know we messed up, but we got to make this right in some capacity. Right. I think, I mean, I would say today. Because normally the criminal charges come before the settlement. This is like the first time not, that I've seen it like they're this. They're not going to be charged. And that's what I'm saying. Like, there's something about not charging the police that I feel like people are inherently, as far as the prosecutors or in the way, and that's what I'm saying, like, the reason why I believe in abolition is the way that it's set up, like, it's supposed to operate in this way. Um, pr- police officers are supposed to be protected in that way. Uh, but I did want to say something I actually about- want to make this point really quickly about police officers. One thing that, I guess, frustrates me about the conversation is, and it even goes beyond, like, I think one of my frustrations about the Black Lives Matter movement is it's only made about police brutality and not, well, Black Lives Matter outside of when the police do things. Like, Black Lives should matter in every single instance. And but how this do we- is the first time I think that this has went to other instances. Like, this has went to jobs. This has went to, like, there's new, like, diversity positions yeah. everywhere. It's, and and, and that part I support, but when it comes to police officers, one thing that I think is really frustrating is we have this conversation of, oh, well, majority of them are good, it's just the one. Well, I saw the George Floyd video. All of them didn't have their knee on the guy's neck, but... The other ones were just standing there like, this is cool. Like, this just Two of happens. them were holding it down, and one of them was just standing there. Like, think about how many times we've seen, I would say, inhumane acts from police officers, and the other cops are just there and cool with it. Like, the people that beat Rodney King, they didn't know it was being videotaped. That was like a normal day on the force. Like, yeah. the two people that are beating them, the other people that are just there just sitting around. They didn't write it in their police report. Like, that's what's—that's— that's systemic to me. Systemic right. is it's a culture where these actions are condoned, not necessarily encouraged, but it's cool for you to do but this. But it is encouraged you know, by just, quotas and different things like yeah, that. Yeah, just like if, you know, your boss tells you to get there at 8 o'clock and you get there every day at 8.30 and your boss never says that you're late, then the culture has been created. It's cool to show up at 8.30 regardless of what you said at 8 o'clock. And, and regardless of what at rule is listed. Yeah, so regardless if you... Feel this way about it. If the people that are supposed to enforce the rule amongst themselves don't enforce it, how how serious is the rule? Yeah, that's what I always say. I always say you can't change the policies because they don't follow their own policies. And I was like, every everything that they did with George Floyd, everything that they did with Breonna Taylor, everything that they did with Mike Brown, all of those things are policy violations. So they already have the policies in place. They just don't follow it. Yeah, I don't, and on the subject of police reports, like, we've just seen so many instances, like, we treat those <laughs> like they are facts. Like, <laughs> it's like, some of it's true. I'm not saying none of it's true, yeah, but no, it's, I'm not saying none of it's true or all of it's true. But we know, I guess we know all of it's not true. Again, in the, in the situation with Eric Gardner, we have it on video. Yeah. In their police report, they do not mention that they choked him. You didn't forget that you choked him. You just didn't include it. Yeah. So if you don't do it in that high-profile situation in which you killed somebody, how many times do these situations happen that you also don't record accurately what happened? Yeah, and George Floyd is good. I, I also think it should be a federal crime for you to turn your uh, cam, cam off. off. It should be like Because a lot of these shootings, it'll be, oh, well, it was turned off. Hold on. We get these police cameras. Or we didn't turn you, them on yet. Yeah, we get these police cameras. you saving <laughs> bears and cats from trees. But now when you shoot somebody, it's not turned on. It just doesn't make any sense. And the thing I don't like about police cams is that the police cams are recording us and not recording them. I need, I want something to record them. I don't want them recording us because we already got a lot of surveillance. Um, one thing about when you were talking about 
<laughs> which I thought was funny. You said uh, they saying that we want to have more diversity, but they don't understand it. That means we have to hire more black people. Yeah. Some more ways. Uh, there's like a list. So how to retain black talent in the workplace beyond hiring black people. You need to expand your team so you can't just hire one black person because then the one black person is going to feel super isolated and kind of left out. Um, I don't necessarily. I mean, I'm not saying I'm against that. Like, I'm all for like I, I am for the let's hire the best people. Like, I'm not saying I want to give any certain groups preferential treatment, but I think. But if you just hire one. Yeah, but I would say then if you hire one like anybody, empower that employee that I do think a lot of times you get in thing. situations where. I think everybody felt this at their job. Like mm-hmm. your company doesn't give you either the support or the resources necessary for you to be your best. Yeah. So if you're the only black person there, then give that person the resources. And a lot of times I think we see that they don't get the best resources in that scenario. Or the voice, you know, they'll be like, oh, that's OK. <laughs> um, um, widen your business partnership. So they're saying, you know how every company has like partnerships and sponsorships and stuff. They should do that with with black companies as well. Henny. That, is that what you advocating for? Get that get, get that Henny collab. <laughs> you trying to get Henny to sponsor that Duce? Look. Ciroc. Ciroc, Ciroc boys. I do Ciroc. Ciroc the night. <laughs> Ciroc the vote. Ooh. Ciroc the vote. Ooh, you should tell that to Diddy. He'll, uh... <laughs> Diddy, I know you watching the Scrug Show because you, you appreciate black excellence. Look, black Ciroc voices. Ciroc the vote. Uh, push them to excel. Um, and respect their boundaries. And that's for specifically women because we always have issues with people talking about the way we look. Uh, also, avoid stereotyping. So, like, say if you all, if all the, like, the quote-unquote black, like, say if you're a reporter and the black stories come in and they only get, they always give them to you, but they never give you, like, anything else, stuff like that. I stereotype people all the time, so I'm maybe not the best person, though. But if you Sorry were a CEO this. of a company, well, yeah, I mean, I just be, I just be talking. But <laughs> I stereotype individual. All the we time. talk about systemic stuff right now. Like you're always late. Like that's not a who's always late. Were you, you late today? No, I was here at five twenty-seven. I told you I'd be here at five thirty. <laughs> Hold on, I'm on time. You're not a you're not Hold a punctual person. Hold on, let's ask Justin. <laughs> you're not a punctual Justin. person. Justin, <laughs> knows, Justin knows you're not. He don't want nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not. My gonna name lie. is like an official. No, <laughs> my I, man wanted I'm nothing late to do with it. Sometimes I'm late. No, you're not sometimes. a punctual person, and I get it. That's fine. Like, but that's just that's not us. Did people. we get into it over that? Probably at some point. Listen, I may be five or ten minutes late. It's never <laughs> <laughs> it's never like an hour late. Right, let me ask you this. Whenever you say you're on your way, how long do you think that is? <laughs> ten minutes. <laughs> it, sometimes you're just about to cut your mic off in the bag. <laughs> sometimes I say I'm on my way and I'm I haven't left yet. Everybody does that. Including you. Bro, last, or it was like two weeks ago, I hit you up, and I was like, oh, hey, I'm here. You should come pull up and meet me here. Oh, I'll be there in 20 minutes. You got there an hour and 15 minutes. And then when I was ready to go, you're like, oh, you don't want to spend. We could have spent time. I've been here. I was here before. I was waiting on you to be here. You then didn't show up on time. I'm ready to go. Okay, so I want to ask the people, y'all comment on this. Is it worse to be late or to do stuff last minute, because that's what you do. Oh, I mean, I agree with that. Okay, so if you're I agree last with that. Like, minute, like Justin, to be fair here, I am the person. It'll be like five thirty, and I'm like, "Ooh, let's go see this movie at seven. Like that, I do that sometimes. I'm not gonna lie, I do do that. So but that's why I, people are late. But my frustration. But when I have stuff on the calendar, my frustration is just get realistic time. So if I say, I don't know, I can't predict the future. So like I'm saying in this in this scenario, this is what I would be. It'd be five thirty. I'd be like, hey, let's go see a movie. It's at seven. You'd be like, oh, I can't do seven. When's the next time? I'll be like, hey, all right, they, it's showing again at eight. Ooh, I'll be there. Then you get there at eight <laughs> thirty. Like that wasn't accurate then. Why didn't you just say let's go to the nine? Now you missed the first ten minutes. Now I'm mad. I don't know what's happening. In the Listen, movie. that's the kind of person you are. Well, what I think that that's like over promising. That's what it is. Like, what? okay. It's basically like, oh, I want to be there at eight, but I might not be there at eight. So it's a movie. <laughs> the movie has a hard begin time. Well, listen. The, the concert has a hard begin but time. But it's like 15 minutes of commercials. Okay. And then you'll show 15, 15 minutes, minutes of, after that. 15 minutes of intro credits. 
fit, what movie are you watching that has 15 minutes of intro credit? And then what the movie starts. The and then I'm there. What is this? Listen. You, you created a movie. <laughs> that 15 happens. 15 minutes? Yeah, 15 minutes. The whole plot of the movie is revealed in the first 15 minutes. <laughs> no, it's not. I, I have a 15 not minute Not a Tyler Perry movie. movie. Well, I mean, I already know what's going to happen in the Tyler Perry movie anyway. What do you think about Did you see the new movie on Netflix? I watched all. I actually, during quarantine. <laughs> You're a Netflix junkie. During quarantine, I started watching Power. It actually got spoiled. After you said that it was whack. It got spoiled. And you didn't want to watch it. No, I'm still watching. I'm in season five. No, I'm talking about before you watched it. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't want to watch Power. That's fair. Uh, I watched every Tyler Perry movie during quarantine. So okay, everyone so, that's turned into a movie, I watched. Okay, hold on. Oh, this movie's not Tyler Perry, though. So Did I'm you saying, see the Neil Long one I'm and the other good one? Good Deeds, all of it. Fatal you Affair? You saw that? Did yeah, you I see watched. that? Yeah, Fatal Affair. Terrible movie. <laughs> Awful movie. You didn't like we it. We can make a better movie than that. <laughs> Me, you, and Justin. I've never seen Justin film anything other than this. I know we could make a better movie. It's so bad. Why do they keep doing those same plots where it's like... It's not even interesting. Like, nothing happens. But, the, I mean, basically, you, you meet somebody, you think they cool, they try to say that... I don't get it. I mean, this is Yeah, we've happened. seen that movie seven times. Yeah, we saw it with Michael Ely, like, twice. And this is the worst one of it. This one's bad. We saw it with Beyonce. I actually watched, so there was this tweet. So right when Fatal Affair came out, it was these six movies, and it was, why do they keep making the same movie? I watched all <laughs> six of those movies. That's why when, when there were no sports, I wasn't tripping about it. Like, Because you have Netflix. This is going to sound bad. Like It was the first time I felt free as an adult. Like, I mean, that's because your job is in yeah, sports. You know, like, there's this constant where, you know, I wake up. All I think about is sports, and then I go home, and then there's something I want to watch. Like today, you know, the NBA or something. That it was the first time, like creatively, there's no expectation from the listener, so it was just entertain us. You know, there's mm-hmm. nothing specifically happening. So if you talk about this movie that you really like, we can't be like shut up and talk about sports because there ain't no sports happening right now. Right. And then when I went home, I just didn't feel like I had to watch anything that, you know, I could go back and watch movies that I missed or movies that I wanted to rewatch. And So know. what did you, did you start getting into your creative bag? Like, did you start working on anything new with that free time? Uh, yeah, I'm shooting a documentary right now. Um, I'm still working on it. We're actually putting the first cut together. Well, do you want to give us an exclusive? What is it about? No, I'm not ready to do that yet. What? You can't tell me what it's about? I mean, I've already shown you the trailer. Okay, so. I'm talking about my my audience. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell... I haven't told my audience. This is the first time I've talked about it publicly. <laughs> okay, well, go ahead. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying give me every single thing, but tell me a little bit about the documentary. About life. That's what it's about. It's about life. It's about life. Yeah, it's about life. Okay. Well, what inspired this documentary about life? Um, uh, I think the coronavirus has maybe shown me that whatever idea you have, you need to do. Like, Facts. I have always told myself, I'm going to go to Coachella. And then every year, I don't go to Coachella. And I just watch it at home on the computer. And wish you were there. And then I'm sitting there, and I'm like, why have I not been to this? Like, Beyonce's done it, Drake's done it, Kanye's done it, and I've just all watched this at home that, you know, I feel, if anything, I want to take from this experience. I mean, I think we all know that, like, time isn't promised, but, you know, um, like, shit can just stop, you know? And it did just stop, you know? Like, I think all of us went through, like, some varying degrees of depression, but... I just remember in March. Existential crisis. (laughs) I just remember thinking in March that we were never going to go back outside in 2020. Like, I legitimately thought this was going to be our life. Like, I thought it was going to be for the next eight months, it was going to be Groundhog's Day where it was go to work. Because I was still going to work because we were, quote, unquote, essential employees or whatever. So I was going to work. I'll come home. i watch TV. i go to sleep. And I would just repeat the same process. Like, that's just what I did. And not having the option to do the stuff that you really like to do. Like, I I really thought that's all our life was going to be. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and I don't know. I just told myself once we got done, like, I was going to do the stuff that I really, really was passionate about. And I wasn't going to leave any idea I had on the table that – um. That's why I started my podcast. And that's why I kind of got up with Billy. Same thing where I was like – 
I mean, when you're at home, you you either gonna create or disintegrate. So you you thinking of different ideas and stuff like that, and you're gonna put it to action. So yeah, and I think we all get you know we all have like different passions or whatever. Like the thing I'm most passionate about in life, it's not sports. I just want to create content that people like. So whether you're that's video, audio, whatever it is, like that's all I want to do. You know and you know, I I feel like sometimes I have, like, all these ideas in my head and, like, you know, I have, like, seven ideas and I only do two of them. And then I'm like, eh, I'll get to the other one. Like, I had this idea in my head for, like, a year. I just was like, I should just do it. And, you know, I started talking to a lot of people about the idea and they all liked the idea. And I started kind of taking a look at, like, all the resources that I had. And I was like, I have all the equipment to do this stuff, you know. And it's interesting because you use the same tool that you used to get onto the radio back in college um, to do this. Yeah. Or so, you're, you're still reaching out to people, getting interviews and stuff. Yeah, so that's been really rewarding. Um, I'm in the process of designing my own hoodie. So I've started this, I don't know. If oh, it's my like goodness. A, Is this because of your... I don't know if it's your... like a Twitter bit or whatever. Yeah. But um, <laughs> women, you know you guys like to steal men's hoodies. <laughs> and it's really inappropriate. And uh, I want to create a hoodie that tells you to stay away from it. And what is it? What is it called again? Protect your garments, King. Oh my God! Protect your garments, like. And some, and you're gonna I see a lot of women wearing that. I know you've done second-handed. this second-handed. I know you've done this before, where it's like, oh, it's cold outside. Can I borrow your hoodie? Yeah. And then you borrow the hoodie, and then you never bring it back. Like I want to bring the power back to the fellas here. Like, bro, all those clothes she got in her closet, she don't need to be wearing yours. Your Tell hoodie her to is gonna get stole too, Carrington. No. But that's cool concept, though. <laughs> no, so. <laughs> We're in the course of designing it right now, and um, wow! So you're do—I didn't even know that you were doing that. That's what's yeah, up. That's what I've been doing. So um, football season's back, and I've been really energized about that. And um, yeah, I like living through your passions. Like it's—it's it's horrible when you talk to people and they're like, "Yeah, I hate my job. I got to go back to work," and they're not like doing anything that they're passionate about either at work or outside of work or both. So that's good that you at least have, if you're saying that you're passionate to make people happy, I know. I didn't say I don't care about making people happy. I just want to create content that people like. Well, Those are two different things to me. Okay. Let me get that right. You then wanna, I, I think I it's think, not about making people happy. I actually listened to Elliot Wilson. Uh, he does oh, a yeah, radar like podcast and he was saying that, he thought that Jay Electronica had like a fear of public consumption of his art. You know how right. you create something and you get it in your head like, oh, they're not going to like it, so I'm never going to release it. Because remember, it took 11 years for us to hear Jay Electronica. <laughs> yeah. that I think once creative people, I think the two hardest things to get over if you're a creative person is number one, now with Instagram and Twitter, we see value in people clicking retweet and like. And that's the only value we think. And not, like, doing it for yourself. Right. Where sometimes I just create stuff because it makes me happy. You know what I mean? Like, I want to do this. Like, I want to taste these tacos. Like, I did these videos where I went to, like, 15 different taco restaurants and reviewed them. Like, I didn't know how people were going to respond to it. I just wanted to do it. You know what I mean? And hopefully people like it, you know? So, I think that's So, it's not it like, what? I mean, what would you define it as? You're saying... You want people to take something from it or? Yeah, that's probably it. Um, or I you want to make some sort of an impact? I really don't think about it like that. Like maybe more with the documentary, I think about it in that way just because I want it to be a show I watched during quarantine. I watched The Morning Show. It's on uh, Apple TV. And Steve Carell's character was saying how so he worked in television. He's like, I don't create anything that lasts. But I think about our show you know, there's always new games. There's always new storylines. Like, nobody goes back and listens to the show from a year ago or a week ago. You know what I mean? Like, it's right. over. You know, there's a new thing. Yeah. So, I wanted to create something. I'm in the process of creating something that I feel will last longer than a day or a week. Or, you know what I mean? Like, I want people to show their kids this. Like, hey, I was really good. Or, you know what I mean? So, so it's more legacy yeah, in legacy that way. building. See, I think mine is like education. Like that's my thing. I like to I like to put people on stuff, and I like to 
uh, learn from other people. So that's why I, when I have people on here and when I'm asking questions and stuff, I really genuinely want to know. And I feel like a lot of people, when they look at my stuff, they say they learn they learn from me, whether it's like something real quick, a quick tidbit or whatever. So yeah, as long as you're doing it with your passion and for some reason, every time you're doing something that you want to do, as opposed to what other people want you to do or trying to please other people, it, it, it comes over well. It comes across better to the yeah, audience. Um... I think maybe it's just my job, and I've just done it for so long. Like, I hate this whole concept of trolling people. Like, I mean, you know, we all joking back and forth, but to me, trolling people makes people feel like you care so much about what I think. You want to tell me the opposite of what you think I want to hear. Like, I don't you think <laughs> about you in my free time enough to, hey, what's everybody else thinking? Let me go think what the exact opposite so I can get your attention. Like right. I don't I don't get gratification in that way. Um so Yeah, it's instant gratification. Yeah, I don't much. really think about it in that sense. Um I just think, you know, I, I, I don't think of my job to change your opinion on whatever it is. I think it's my job to give you my opinion and then articulate why I think this and then give you the opportunity to either agree or, or disagree. disagree. You know what I mean? Like, I think the Chiefs are winning the Super Bowl. I think they're winning the Super Bowl because of X, Y, and Z. And then, yes, I agree because, you know, I like these points. Or no, I disagree because you missed these points. You know, like, to me, that's what I would consider doing your job. Like, it's not my job to change your mind. Like, you're an adult. Like, just oh, think, yeah. like, think for yourself. Right. Maybe I should think differently, but that's no, just how I No, no. Put, put out, look, I have so many people that disagree with me, but I don't I don't care about changing people's mind either. I just care about... Like, I always hate that one, like, you're trying to be the contrarian. Like, I, why? Like, I don't right. like apple pie. I don't care if you like... You liking apple pie yeah, has no bearing if I like apple pie or not. Right. And I also think... What I like in that sense should have no bearing on what you think. Like, it's just... Is that kind of like stan culture where you... Everybody has to like somebody, and if you don't like that person, you're wrong, so to speak? Or if you don't yeah, like I that think, thing, you're wrong? I think that social media maybe highlights people's need to think the same way as them. Like, I don't care about that. Like, it just doesn't really have any value to Yeah, me. like, I like movies that people probably wouldn't like, and I like music that people probably wouldn't like. Uh, some, like... My favorite. Sometimes Twitter be gassing too. Like I'm sorry to cut you off. Oh but, yeah, uh, definitely. You remember Get Out? I hated Get Out. Me too. Didn't think it was good. But like, Twitter made it seem like it's Shawshank Redemption. So I'm not ran to the movie theater. I'm like, Me I too. gotta see this movie. And I sit there watching. I was like, it's all right, I guess. People was going way too deep on that. Yeah. Same thing with Queen and Slim. Like when I when I saw Queen and Slim, very average movie. Very average movie, and people was acting like, like, like I said, I critiqued the movie. I said this scene was in, this scene was irrelevant. This shouldn't have been in there. It's like when you stand culture is kind of like you can't critique what you like, so you can't. It's not a. It has to be this way or that way. So if you like Cardi B, you can't this. You can't hate on this song. Like, oh, you're a hater. You're this. You're that. Like Cardi B's like. Fan page blocked me because I said something. <laughs> I said something like I didn't like her song when I loved her album. I love most of her songs, but some of them songs are whack. No, and I think that's fair. Um, I was thinking of this um, back to something very serious when LeBron James. I think it was before Game One of the playoffs. They were playing Portland, and they wore those MAGA hats that was arrest the people who killed Breonna Taylor. And I'm like, that's corny, bro. Yeah, like, I hate when people wear those hats. Like, LeBron, you called Donald Trump a bum. You now can't wear his stuff and, like, try to co-opt it to what you want it to mean. Like, that's just corny. And then it's like, I thought you liked LeBron. I like a lot of people. I can be critical of. Like, yeah. that doesn't make, like, that doesn't, to me, take away from your love of the individual. So. Yeah, because, I mean, cr that's what that's literally what being a human is. Silly. But um, I was going to say this, though. A lot of that reminds me, I guess, with the get-out, where I shouldn't have to go home and Wikipedia how to understand <laughs> the ending of the movie. And it's kind of oh, like. Oh, yeah, how I had you, to do that on Google. I'm like, what? It's how you treat Nicki Minaj. Like, if you got to explain the punchline to no, me. No, see, then here we got to argue on this. It's not this. a hard bar. That's not like, you true. You love explaining Nicki Minaj lines to me. Like, I got it. It was just whack. 
You don't have to coming Google. off the top. You don't have to Google. You get it? Yes, I got it. I understood. You don't what have she was to saying. Google it's Nicki Minaj bars, Carrington. That's not true. So you're trying to compare I mean, honestly, her bars to get out. Honestly, how many times have you tried to word for word explain to me what Nicki said? Like, oh, you didn't get it. It went over your head. No, it didn't go over my head. It wasn't. It oh, was but you wet. like when? So hold on, because Nicki wet. does metaphors and stuff. So you like when Lil Wayne does it and when Drake does it. They have whack bars too. Uh, okay. Lil Wayne said the F is for phenomenal, bro. That's whack. <laughs> it's whack. I, I, you don't gotta explain well, you it to me. you talking about bedrock, it's how whack bedrock was? Whack. <laughs> <laughs> whack. Drake had like the worst verse in there. He no, was talking. I, mean, I actually like bedrock. I don't like gutta, bedrock. Gutta. Is a cool song, but the but the verses gutta, gutta. were whack. Gutta gutta is the only bad part about that song. Tyga and Drake had some I, wet bars. I actually bars. think Tyga's got the best verse on there. I love Tyga's part. I love Tyga's Tyga, part. I think Tyga's the, just just for the record, I think Tyga's the worst rapper ever. Like, I don't think that. Ever. I don't think that. He's I think a Tyga horrible rap. rapper. It's funny because I watched uh, that No Limit Chronicles on BET. It's like two people in No Limit that can rap. Like legitimately can rap. Who? Mystical and Mia X. And Fiend. Fiend can rap. That's it, though. Okay. Like, Master P can't rap. Silk can't yes, rap. Yes, he can. See, I, I thought you were going to say Silk. Silk. No, listen. I used Silk to, might be the worst popular rapper. No, ever. I used to think that he was the worst rapper of all time when Have I was a kid. But when you go back. I've, I've been listening to it. I've been, like, after <laughs> When you that go Chronicle, back, it's hitting a little bit. It's no, hitting a little the, bit. The beats are hard. Hard. Oh, yeah. But the rapping. Like, go back and listen to Mr. Ice Cream Man today. Are you like, yo, this is, this is a good song. It's a terrible song. The okay, beat's just so hard. Do you like, why are you saying that Master P's, is, are you saying because he raps off beat? Are he you saying because of his bars? Uh, everything. The beats go, though. Like, they go. Like That's, that's the one, all you used to need back in the, the day. That's the one thing I wish our generation would maybe give these young kids a little bit of a credit. Now, I will say, one of my complaints about rap music is, I do think before the internet, the gatekeepers did a good job where it wasn't too many rappers that were in the same lane and sounded alike. That now, everybody just, I feel like alike. what happens is a lot of these artists feel like, hey, if I got a pop, I got to sound just like Young Thug or I got to sound like Future or I got to sound like Roddy in order to hit where we didn't really have that because it was like it was it was maybe harder to break through in that sense. Like you had to have a unique you, you had to sound like DMX to break through. Um, but yeah. I also a lot of people did sound like Biggie. Yeah, I also want I also want our generation to realize the storytelling rap that we quote unquote love is like a five year span of rap. It's like a five it's like from ninety one to ninety six. But that's like the best period of rap. Yeah, because that's when we grew up on it though. <laughs> that's when we grew up on it. But it was a lot of whack stuff. But these, like we talk these, about how these cool rap is rap and, be, and we listen to the Humpty Hump and I'm saying it's like we love Tootsie Row. High and candy, sweet. Now, if that song came out, like, oh, this is whack, this is whack. Bro, we like the same kind no, of stuff No, that's kids like equivalent like. to the dance. Like, you remember when Soulja Boy first came out? Yeah, and, and, and the older generation thought it was whack. Just but, like when we hear this new stuff, we think it's whack. Like, somebody on Twitter said this, and I'll never forget it. Hip-hop was never made to grow up. Like, when you think about it, hip-hop is yeah. about... 17 to 24 year old rebellious like 30 is like ancient in hip hop yeah but now <laughs> hip hop world but now it's normalized though you know what I mean um now Jay Z was like the first adult or 444 was like one of the first adult uh hip hop albums yeah I mean I, I disagree but who Jay Z's made other adult albums this one's just about Beyonce, so it's different for everybody. <laughs> oh, no. That's what it's about. This one's about Beyonce. It's like, no, oh, he's never it was, done this before. It wasn't yes, only Beyonce. That's what it, every, everything it was, that he's talking about in that He was album, talking about his mama. He talks about, she's in, she's on Black Album. He no. talks about his mama all the time. I'm saying, when 444 came out, you remember... It was a different. It was a different kind of album. It was an introspective album of a of a grown up rapper. I think what makes this different is four 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 is him telling stories about people we know. Where before Jay Z wasn't telling stories about people we know. Like Volume One, we don't know any of the characters. Right. And four four four, we know the characters. It's about his mom and his wife. We know who they are. So you're saying that, and it's about Prince and Kanye. Where it's like, oh, this is so revolutionary. I love four four four. I listened to four 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 like two weeks ago, like from start to finish. But no, 444 is not as revolutionary okay. as you make it seem. I'm not even saying revolutionary. I'm just saying, you just said rap doesn't grow up. But I'm saying is like... Or, or rap typically wasn't rap wasn't, supposed, wasn't supposed, supposed to grow up. It wasn't supposed to grow up where... 
I think our generation's different because we embrace those older rappers where you think about it, like that golden time that you're talking about, Tupac's under 25, Biggie's under 25, Nas is really young. Like there aren't many super popular rappers that are older than 30. Now it's common. Drake's over 30, Cole's over 30, Kendrick's over 30. Futures, you know what I mean? Ross. Like, you it's, know what? It's, it's very different now. I feel like when we were younger, we used to, like you said, we used to embrace the older rappers. These kids, they don't embrace even the rappers we grew up with in like 2010. Because they still try to rap in their whack. Like, <laughs> like Lil Wayne would get the credit he deserves if he just stopped rap. Snoop gets the credit he deserves. But that's, Snoop doesn't but rap. But I, the younger generation, I'm talking about Gen Z and them, they don't respect Snoop and them. They don't. Yeah, because they didn't grow up with them. Like, I, I, I get that part. To me, that's not much different than sports, you know? Like, I don't have an appreciation for some of the 80s players, so I didn't get to see them play. So I, I do understand that part. I feel like current rappers have a lot of respect for Lil Wayne. That's all that ultimately really matters. But I also think where it's not like sports. Like, once people get to, a, like, a, I physically can't do anymore, they just stop. And rap, they keep going. You just going. keep like, going. Like, Lil Wayne should have stopped rapping four when? years ago. That's what you think? Yes, he can't. He can't consistently. I'm saying that we, you and I, we were in college when Wayne. I'll argue that 2009 to 10, Lil Wayne is the hottest any rapper's ever been. Like I don't. You Fifty can, Cent too. Yeah, I don't. I don't care about sales. I'm talking about impact and um, being in the streets and what people were talking about. And you could not get away from Lil Wayne. Not if you was in the streets. Not if you was in a club. Not if you was listening to the radio. Like you could not get away from Lil Wayne. So to see him go from that time where everything he touched was fire to now, that verse on Moneymaker with two chains is <laughs> terrible. It is awful. Like, it's so bad. Like this younger generation, they just don't like my sister who's 18. How can she know the little Wayne that we grew up on? Yeah, she and was they, nine when he was hot. It's so interesting talking to if you talk to your sister, ask her who is her who is her favorite. Like Drake. she likes Drake because none of the kids like Drake. She was around me. Oh, that's why. She's around me. Cause I'm like, when you ask them, like, I remember 2017, I was like, who is the hottest rapper? I asked a 16 year old, who is the hottest rapper out right now? I thought they was gonna say some of the people I know. They said, um, uh, what's the dude who made Lucid Dreams that just passed away? Uh, Juice World. Yeah, like this. She before, like Juice World. This before I even heard of him. He was like, Juice World is the he's the best. I'm like, what? Who is this kid? So it's like I like talking to them because I do get put on to the young guys, but they don't even like if you play Drake in the car with at least the teenagers I'm around, they don't want to hear Drake. Yeah, I mean, they don't want to hear Nicki. They don't want to hear none of the people who I feel like is like my top. Yeah, but we also grew up where that was where like they felt like they were speaking to us. Like I, I do get that, and that's why I think it's different. Like the time's different. Like I remember, I remember in two thousand nine when So Far Gone came out, and I felt like Drake was telling my story. Like everything he was talking about, <laughs> oh my God. was the same place I was in life. Like when I heard successful, I was like, "This is me." I, I just played that like last week. You're talking about his dad at the end. I was like, "This is my life." Where I could see how if you're eighteen. Drake isn't talking, like, now Juice World is rapping about your current problems. Yeah, Juice World and XX Tentacion, all of those kids that are kind of, they call it, like, emo rap. That's, like, what the, little that's what the younger guys rap. Yeah, which they is, like that. which is Drake and Cuddy. Like, it's all connected. Yeah, I mean, they're, like, they're the was, sons. Yeah, and I would of, say Drake, Drake, Cuddy, and then made Melody cool. Like, I think every era of rap goes to Well, do you feel time. like Drake is from, is Drake is, like, a son of Nelly? No. Why not? I think he's clearly from the school of Kanye West. But Nelly, too. No. See, y'all don't like to... See, nobody wants to give Nelly his credit, but there's there's some definite Nelly influences. And I believe that Drake... harmonize? No, it's not just that. And I believe Drake even said that. Drake makes Yes, he did. What are you talking about? He doesn't make R&B He just danced to an R&B song yesterday on Dancing with the Stars, Just a Dream. We grew up in the... That's not an R&B. It's a pop song. Drake makes R&B songs. Jaded is an R&B song. Dilemma? That... That's like a rap song. Everybody, every rapper makes those songs. Rap sung songs. Ludacris has those. Okay, Future I'm gonna ask. Those. I'm gonna do a poll. I mean, I like Nelly. Don't get me wrong, but I I think I think it was clear that Drake raps like Kanye and wanted to be Kanye, but then realized that R and B changed, where it's a lot more hip hop influenced, and I can't maybe sing, but I can like harmonize. Like I call this the this is the melody area era, like. Where we, you can't say like you and I appreciate storytelling and like lyricism. This generation appreciates melodies different. Like we didn't have like 
Nelly didn't have melodies like how these young kids have melodies like now. Summer like Summer Walker and them? Yeah, he didn't have melodies like that. Well, I got a last question, then we got to go. Yeah, sure. I'm happy to answer whatever question <laughs> I was happy to talk about rap and how to free black people in the same conversation. <laughs> it made me happy. Well, if... if I've been hearing about this. What do you think about a versus, which I know is probably not going to happen because of all of the drama between Drake and Kanye? There's a 0% chance Kanye West would agree to do it. Okay, I know it's not going to happen, but... Drake would do it. Kanye would not do it. Okay, so who would win the versus, and do you think that's a good matchup based on their styles? I think ultimately those verses come down to the 20 that you play. I don't think... Outside of Jay Z, there's anybody that can match 20 hits with Drake. I think he is not even Kanye. Not hits. I don't think he can match hits. Albums, yeah. I don't think he can match hits with them. What if? What I if, think Drake is the. What most, if Kanye plays his produced records because the old? No, I think yeah, but Drake would just play. I'm on this song, and Drake's gonna like. I don't know if you've been to a Drake concert or not. I went to the one. I've seen Drake more times than I want to admit on camera. Uh, I went to go uh, Drake in the Future concert. And I'm telling you, it was the best set list I've ever seen. And I've seen I've seen Jay-Z three times. I've seen Kanye multiple times. Like, I've been to a lot of concerts. Drake had a two-hour span that he basically was like, I'm going to show you I'm the best that's ever done this. Where it was like he would do 30 minutes of songs that were just on the radio. He would do 30 minutes of features. He would do 30 minutes where I only sang the hook on this record. And you're just sitting there thinking, he has given us a decade of music that's unparalleled from someone in this space. So nobody can pretty much beat him, even in, in the verse. I don't think so in that. I don't think so. Okay. Well, that's good. Well, thank you for coming. No, thank you for having me. I'm happy to come <laughs> on the show whenever you need me to. You caught me at a perfect time Yay. where I could do it. I'm um, happy that you made time. And I Tasha, think this is a pretty good there's some people I always make the time for. Oh, my God. And you're one of the people that I make time is for. Is that true? Is that true? Is that so? Because I don't believe so. I don't believe so. The last time you canceled. <laughs> and then today I was like. It's because of my makeup. And guess what? I'll show you. My makeup artist canceled on me today, too. But I had to improvise. Uh, if you had canceled that, I wasn't coming on. You get two chances. If you had the third time, no, nah, I'm good. Do you have to say that on camera? Yeah, I'm I'm real. Do you have to say that? <laughs> I'm just telling you. If it had been but like, that's why I didn't cancel. cancel Hello? Okay, good. I'm happy. I don't know how long this was. Justin, shout out to you. Justin uh, been holding me down. Can I tell them one more Tasha story before no. we get out of here? Let me tell one more He's Tasha story. He's ready to go. Let me tell one more Tasha story before we get out of here. Oh, so, my goodness. it was one day... You were showing me, you were like, hey, what do you think of this video? <laughs> and it was about the NCAA and paying athletes. <laughs> and bro, I wish she could post the video. She did like the slowest post move I've ever seen in my life. And what I'm like, why is this part of your video? She's like, oh, I want to show people I'm athletic. It's like, it's. Dribble, turn around. No, I did oh not say that. God, I never said so, I wanted to show people I was athletic. So I funny. said I was talking about basketball. I laughed at that for 30 minutes, bro. 30 <laughs> minutes. I'll post it. I'll post the video. 30 but, minutes. Um, yeah. Well, make sure you guys subscribe. I got so many Tasha stories. I can sit here. The, the whole Scrug show could be me just telling stories. Maybe we'll have you come back to do that. Can I tell one more? No. I can't tell one more? What? All right, I can't tell no more stories. No, save it for next time. All right, cool. Thanks for having me, though. I really appreciate it. Follow us, subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And thank you for coming.